and welcome to the Hoosie Podcast with me, Phil. And me, Paul. And on this week's show, of course, we're going to be reviewing the 2012 Doctor Who Christmas special, The Snowmen. But first, Paul, did you have a good Christmas? Uh, yeah, okay, yeah. Okay. About, 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 about as good as they are nowadays. <laughs> The days of getting excitement, excited on Christmas Eve have long gone, I'm afraid. Oh, I think they have, haven't they? All you're looking forward to is the next drink, isn't it, really? <laughs> <laughs> is that generally or just at Christmas? <laughs> I think generally, sorry, actually. Sorry, I didn't realise it was that sort of meeting. <laughs> I'm sitting with a bottle of gin. What, are you what have you got? What have you bought? So bring a bottle, didn't you know? <laughs> yes. No, it, it was good. Obviously, the highlight of the day... <laughs> was obviously Doctor Who. There wasn't a lot else to watch, to be honest. Well, you say that. I didn't see it till Thursday. Oh, <laughs> We're dear. recording this a few days after. So I'm assuming you've avoid, you avoided Twitter on the day or ever since, actually. Yeah, I had to, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We'd like to announce the retirement of Paul Connor from Twitter. <laughs> ah, yes, well, well, yes, it was, it was a fairly quiet Christmas, must be, must be honest, just full of booze and food. I'd probably not just like the rest of... Uh, the rest of the population on Christmas Day, I would assume. Yes. Yeah. So anyway, let's let's do a bit of news. There's not a lot of news, obviously, but of course, with the new episode comes statistics. Oh, yes. Okay. Right. Doctor Who. It was uh, the overnight viewing figures uh, were 7.59 million viewers, just shy of uh, seven points. Well, seven point six million. We'll just round it up. For God's sake. <laughs> What's wrong with them? <laughs> usually find that it's that seven point five nine is just short of seven points. Yeah, why well, have to say seven point? Just say seven point. Round it up for God's sake. <laughs> How do you know they haven't? It was, it was probably seven point five eight five two nine two nine. Oh God! Just oh, seven point six million. God's sake. <laughs> Um, which was a thirty-three. Here we go again. Thirty-three point nine percent of the total TV audience. There you go. Well, you've got to be accurate. I mean, the, the, the point is, if they say 40%, and someone writes in and there's a big inquiry into the BBC, why are they... <laughs> why, oh, why, oh, why? <laughs> why are they fiddling their viewing figures? And <laughs> is this what our licence fee money's going on? <laughs> well, it's not actually taken by the BBC, is it? All these, um, all these no. figures? No. No. So lay off the BBC is why. So <laughs> No, um, yes, it was the fifth most watched programme of the day. Yeah, um, it beat uh, Call the Midwife and Downton Abbey, which were six and seven respectively, uh, which is quite surprising. I thought those two were going to be the big juggernaut uh, programs. programs of the day. Yeah, I mean they had sort of time slots that you'd normally associate, didn't they? Yeah, prime those time things. as such. Yeah, um, but Downton Abbey seems to have got a bit of a kicking in the press as well. Uh, Call the Midwife. I haven't read anything about that at all. Don't want to spoil the surprise, do you, when you watch it? No, of course not. Jesus. Um, yeah, so number one, um, EastEnders. Yeah, well, um, you sort of expect that. Uh, number two was Coronation Street. Number yeah. three was Strictly Come Dancing Christmas Special. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me, to be no. honest. Um, and number four, which does surprise me, was the Royal Family Christmas Special. Because um, I, I watched that on Christmas, um, Christmas evening, and it was utter crap. <laughs> That's the review of that one, is it? it? I mean, it was. I mean, I don't know what's happened. I used to love the royal family. It is, you ever heard of that expression, it's jumped the shark? Yeah. Yeah, it well and truly has jumped the shark. There is a question of whether these programmes can keep going. 
Oh, it just it, it was just ridiculous. Really especially something that's actually reasonably set around certain a few people chatting mm. as opposed to any um, well, they, well they, they seem to have done away with the whole I know sorry this isn't isn't the royal family podcast I, I assume you but um assure you assume you <laughs> I assure you um <laughs> well you say you assume we don't know it's going that way <laughs> no i mean for a program that is set meant to be set around a family chat and it's all meant to be very very real life they just took it off into the fantastical well, I didn't actually see it myself. No, it, so. it's, it's, it was, as I said, utter crap. So, um, anyway, back on, to Do- back on to Doctor Who, shall we? Um, yeah. Yes, now, of course, with the viewing figures, the audience, audience appreciation index um, for Doctor Who this year was 87. Hmm. was not too bad. No. So, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, I don't know what that is. It doesn't say what it's compared against. At the moment, so um, that's all I've that's all I've got in front of me. Maybe it's been updated since I last sort of uh, got this together. Yeah, but uh, no, that's a, that's a bad average, hasn't it? For the so far, if you count this as part of series seven, and that's a bad average, isn't it? Yeah, um, I mean Christmas Day, it's you know it's it's usually a congested roster of programs, isn't it? They'll, they'll, yeah. go, they'll go and try to go for the big hitters, so they've all got to try and sort of find their uh, find their place, as it were. So I think that's pretty good. Um, interestingly, though, um, the Snowmen, as I said, was number five um, as the highest-rated programs this year or highest viewing figures for this year. Uh, last year, Doctor the Widow and the Wardrobe was placed number three. Mm. Yeah, and um, <laughs> and the fact that Snowmen's number five shows how many people watched the Doctor the Widow and the Wardrobe. Last I thought I'm not watching that, <laughs> that next again. year. Yeah, yeah. You, you, <laughs> that's the problem. Things like that can do programs harm, can't they? Yeah. I mean, I know it didn't do it any harm when it comes to the first half of, um, of season seven. No, uh, but I think probably a lot of, to do with that was people watching to see how the ponds left. Yeah, and as in this, yeah, the Christmas ones are tend to be a showcase where you can pick up new viewers that you wouldn't normally have had. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Okay, okay. Um, now another bit of news that was released, probably just sort of like it's actually on Boxing Day. Actually, uh, the Doctor Who 50th Anniversary stamps have been confirmed. Now we did mention this some time ago, didn't we? Yeah. Um, but now the uh, the actual Thanks. set has been actually released, or I'd say the images have been released. Yeah. Um, the actual stamps themselves won't be released until March. Yes, so we know I'm, what they're going to be now. Yeah. Aren't we? Uh, actually, Tuesday the 26th of March. So it says here. Uh, and you can yeah. you can pre-order them if you wish because they're going to do them in a little sort of presentation sheet. Okay. Do, do, they, do they arrive by first class post? Probably not. No, the Royal Mail. <laughs> they get TNT to deliver. They get. Well, should we get Tony to deliver ours? <laughs> Especially after the way we saw him handle that mail that day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's still talking about his postal duties. <laughs> Please, no jokes about a postman's bulging sack, please. <laughs> Special delivery. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Yes, I'm saying no more about the way um, he handled the, that uh, bundle of mail that day. <clears throat> you know what we're talking about, Yardley. <laughs> yes, um, anyway, back to, the, uh, back to the, the Doctor Who 50th anniversary stamps. Yes, they do look quite, um, quite nice, actually. So, um, yeah, I, I think I should be... 
So I should be buying them actually. We were dis- should this should this go into Omega's tack corner? But no, this is this is officially licensed. Well, it, it's not even that. It's, it's just the fact that it's um, the the fact of being on stamps tends to be considered something of a of an honour to a program, doesn't it? So yeah, that's right. It's, it's that rather than uh, just a merchandising yeah gimmick. Yeah, this is actually something sort of special, isn't it? Yeah. Never to be repeated. Yeah, I mean, the, the people may go out and write a letter just so they can get by the stamp, but I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think so. Now there is actually um, twelve stamps in the collection. Um, actually, no, sorry, <laughs> I'm mistaken. There's an, an additional four stamps. Uh, they're, they're second class, and they've got a Dalek, a Sarman, an Ood, and a Weeping Angel. Yeah. So now, the last bit of um, bit of news, and it's a it's a sort of sad bit of news um, for those of you. Might not have heard this name before. Sir Richard Rodney Bennett um, passed away at the age of 76. Now, for those of you who don't know who he is, he provided a lot of um, music uh, for film and TV, including the incidental music for The Aztecs, which was a William Hartnell story from 1964. And don't forget that Adventures is going to get a special edition release uh, in March next year. Yeah, it's... Um... Probably too late for them to do anything for that, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is now. Um, but yeah, he—I mean—he did quite a sort of like he was a. So it says he was an accomplished jazz pianist, um, and he also studied and later taught at the Royal Academy of Music. Hmm. Uh, so he, his sort of film work uh, he did was Nicholas and Alexandra, which some of you might know Tom Baker starred in as Rasputin. Yeah. Uh, actually, including <laughs> I've actually forgotten. Some other actors also appeared in Doctor Who. Uh, that film also included Michael Jason, you remember as the uh, the Valyard, Julian Glover, as you remember as uh, Count Scarlione from City of Death, and Morris Denham, uh, Brian Cox, and Stephen Burkoff. So there you go. Um, he also provided the score for Four Winds and the Funeral, Far from the Madding Crowd, uh, Murder on the Orient Express as well, mm. which apparently won him a BAFTA. So so that's that's uh, sort of quite. Quite so. I don't know what it is about bloody Christmas. It always sort of um, it's, it's it's a very very sad time for people. It really is, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But uh, now um, there's one other person who passed away, not connected to, to Doctor Who in any way. But we couldn't sort of let this go without actually mentioning um, this absolutely brilliant man, uh, Jerry. And- I was going to say Sir. Jerry- he should have been Sir Jerry Anderson. Sir Jerry Anderson. Yes. Yeah, Jerry Anderson um, passed away at the age of eighty-three. Yeah. Yeah. Now. Um, mainly, yeah, the connection to this being this is the other half of our childhood TV watching, isn't it? It is, yeah. Um, I mean, for those of you who don't know, Jerry Anderson, he created Thunderbirds, Captain Scarlet, Space 1999, Joe 90, Stingray, Supercar, Fireball XL5, I mean, you name UFO. it. UFO. UFO, I mean, the list goes on. I mean, yeah. the man was an absolute genius. Yeah. He really was an absolute genius, and we couldn't really... Let this podcast go without just saying how sad we are that that he's passed away. He's he's been ill for some time. Yeah, he was suffering from Alzheimer's, wasn't he? Yes. So yeah, yeah. so uh, yeah, very very sad uh, to know that he passed away. Um, we well, was lucky enough to go and see him do a show, wasn't it? Talking about his oh, that was, career. That was brilliant, wasn't it? Yeah, that was absolutely brilliant. Um, it's probably <laughs> it was just like an audience with. Yeah, uh, with Jerry Anderson, and it was just him talking about his life and career, interspersed with clips of the show uh, of his shows and everything. But it was an absolutely fantastic night, and it was at the height of 
the sort of re, re, resurgence of Thunderbirds. Yeah. Back in the early nineties, um, and it was a really, really great, great evening. Just so we're just so lucky to have um, seen the guy in the flesh. Yeah. It's a bit early in the day, but if I had a glass, I would charge it to him right now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So uh, there we go. Okay. Right. Well, coming up uh, very, very shortly then is our review of the Snowmen. So for another another week and for the final time this year, that was the news. Right, okay everyone, we're now going to discuss the 2012 Christmas special, The Snowmen. It's called the TARDIS. It can travel anywhere in time and space. And it's mine. Listen. Look at this. Go on, say it. Most people do. Okay, that is a first. Okay, you can go first, Paul. I went first last time. Yeah. Okay. Um, I love this. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. I I thought it's basically got Christmas in terms of what you want from a Christmas special Mm. and viewing it as a Christmas special. uh, I think it worked really well. Had comedy. was scary enough considering we there was talk about whether a 515 meant it was not going to be a 515 showing was not going to be that scary an episode i think it still had that yeah yeah even to the fact of finishing with a death of a companion mm. as such okay well i i'm gonna agree with you i absolutely absolutely love this myself yeah i i i can't really fault it i'm not so sure whether that much comedy if it had been in a normal mid-series episode you'd have thought always oh, this a bit too going a bit too comedic yeah it, it was on the right but, side of but being like christmas special yeah which you're gonna be obviously supposed to be settling down with the family on christmas evening mm. it just got the tone of it perfectly yeah i mean i think i, t- I tweeted at the time it just washed away the bad taste of last year's christmas special yeah uh, which apparently was written in a in a, a hurry, and it showed. To be honest, yeah. uh, this was the complete opposite of that. There was obviously a lot more care and attention went into this craft in the story. Yeah, for this one, um, and also, I mean, I think is it a first? I suppose it is a first, really, to have a Christmas special that actually carries on with with a, a story arc. Yeah, I mean that that was actually the most. That's the main thing about this, wasn't it? Was the fact that it is. Very much got that to it, especially at the end. Anyway, I mean, you can watch. I think you can st- almost start with it, and it's fine. Yeah, but to come down at the end would make no sense to anybody who hasn't seen the previous bits of series, the first episode. Yeah, of some of the Daleks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, they did obviously sort of show brief clips um, of Oswin from that uh, that story because when the when, uh, when the Doctor was re- remembering, but. I thought yeah. that was a pretty good thing to do. It wasn't the usual sort of standalone episode, was it? No. It still sort of carried on from the end of the previous series, the Doctor mourning the loss of the ponds, and then calling back to the first episode of the previous series with the uh, with General Louise Coleman's character. Um, it, yeah, I, I thought 
brilliant. If only all the Christmas specials could be this damn this brilliant, actually. Yeah, I mean, I st- I'm still not quite sure whether it's whether I still prefer a Christmas Carol one, just because I think as a story that worked, had, had the actual story of that one. Well, it's in itself what, works yeah. so much better. Yeah, it's, it's interesting what you say about that because um, we said that's got all the. We said at the time when we, when we reviewed the Christmas Carol that it had all the ingredients of it was it was Christmassy and and I think that is to do with okay it was set in the future and on, on a different planet, but it still sort of maintained that sort of Dickensian Victorian air. Yeah, but this was slap bang in the middle of. Yeah, that that sort of that sort of chocolate box Christmas thing, isn't it? Sort of, it's like the the, the um what do you call it the quality street tin. Yes, look to it, didn't it? Yeah, you know, every, everyone's in sort of Victorian clothes, and and that's I suppose really that's I mean that's what and Christmas... it's even got a green one inside. No, yeah. um... <laughs> <laughs> well, let's say that's where Christmas, all this stuff about Christmas began, really, wasn't it? Yeah, um, it's it began with Dickens and and the Victorians and everything. So, yeah, it, it it was it wore the whole Christmas thing on on its sleeve. So, you yeah. know, it was um I I'd say I just cannot I cannot fault the atmosphere of this whatsoever. No. And where do you start with insane do you talk about Jenna Louise Coleman or do you just go straight to the to the other three of Vastra, Jenny and Strax? I mean, both of them, well all of them in their own way were added something to this, didn't they? They did. I thought Jenny was a little bit underused, to be um, fair. To but, a certain but, but extent, then, but there's a question of what you can do with that character as such, isn't there? Yeah, I mean, she wasn't really asked to do much more than sort of collect uh, Clara from that little park. Yeah, that obviously she's the one that's out watching what's happening. Yeah, that's it. And she can move the easiest around. Yeah. But I did sort of like, like her looks to Madame Vassar when, when they were doing the... Which I thought was a brilliant scene, that bit at um, in sort of that... that Hothouse thing that Vastra was sitting in. Yeah, the one word answers. The one word answer. That was really good. Yeah, I really like that scene, and I like the um, the way it was shot as well. You just had the camera on Vastra looking directly at you. Yeah. So she was talking to you, um, which I thought it was it was brilliant. But what I like with what Jenny did in that the look she was giving Vastra with when Clara was giving her answers. Yeah, it was as if, like, uh, we, we found one. Yeah. Yeah, that 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 was really good. That was yeah. really good. Um, I thought Strax was used well. Yeah, was I used, mean, you, was... you started to wonder whether you was actually going to find his bit too comedic to what they was doing with a Centauran, but actually, the way it was just done and done straight. Yeah, you know, in terms of the even the stuff with the worm, which I thought I've I've seen the clip of. I thought oh, I'm not quite sure how that's going to yeah. take me out of it, but actually yeah. it worked. Yeah, when you really see good. It, yeah, when you see it in its entirety, it does work a lot better because yeah. I could. Right, and, and ending with that, I think I've been run over with a carriage was. Yeah. <laughs> actually, I did like that because um, obviously Strax come to his own um, at the end. Yeah. Uh, when he sort of he's given his, you know, they're, they're being they're under siege basically. And he sort of picks that room that's He's got given a, his tactical assessment of where they are. Yeah, what, I thought, I thought, yeah, that's, yeah, that's what you want a Santara on there for, isn't it? Yeah, you've actually you've actually given a reason for him being there in yeah. as other than just as a, a joke character. Yeah. You've actually put him into his context <laughs> of what why you'd have him as a companion almost. But what I, what did make me laugh though was when um the doctor 
said, "Oh, well done, Strax," and because well, he he says, "Well, they're not here to attack; they just form the def- the sun, yeah. just form the defensive position." And the doctor sort of like rubs the top of his head. And he just said, "Oh, don't noogie me when I'm prepping a battle plan." Yeah, <laughs> that did make me laugh. That so it's also the and- look on his face as well when he says it. So yeah. And the fact, actually, after that, that obviously then the doctor then is the, the taste of him, and he's still when it pans around to the next shot, you can see he's still like, ugh, he's yeah. <laughs> Before he walks over to the mirror, it's quite yeah. They carried it on that it's still actually the taste of him is still there, still there, just... still there. Yeah, I, I thought it was it was brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. Um, there was we was I mean, I thought Vastra is a great character. Yeah, I mean, you can so see how this could be a spin-off. I hope they don't. No, I I, I think if they can use them sparingly, perhaps once one episode of a series. I think it would be too expensive if they did, because obviously they're they're in sort of Victorian London, and it would be quite expensive to a series to pull off that. Yeah, Yeah, they'd they'd almost have to take them off of in time themselves, wouldn't they? Yeah, yeah, I, I think it might be... Um, a spin-off series too far. Yeah, no, they they, they just worked as interplaying into coming in, didn't they? I mean, yeah. when they arrive at the house and he open, the maid opens the door and <laughs> says, "I'm a lizard woman from the past." And oh, the lizard woman from the dawn of time, and this is my wife. <laughs> yeah. And Strax come along <laughs> and says, "Stay calm, you human scum." Yeah. <laughs> Actually, the other line off is something along the lines of. Um, do not try to escape or you will be obliterated. May I, may I take your coat? <laughs> it was the fact that they just did threw those in, weren't it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. No, uh, I can't believe actually sort of sitting here sort of laughing at some of the lines. Yeah. From from, the, from, from an episode of Doctor Who. I can't... Um, and, and intentionally laughing yeah. at lines from Doctor Who. Uh, and, and the fact, though, that they didn't spoil the... They weren't, you didn't actually almost... Feel, oh, they've just been put in just to lighten the mood. There actually was in character. Yeah, yeah. So, oh, yeah, exactly. So, okay, that that was we sort of covered those three. What about um, Clara? Yeah, I mean, very much an interesting, going to be an interesting companion. Mm. The fact that she seems to be is able to be a step ahead of, well, at least on a par with the Doctor. Cleverly, I mean, the, the the thing about the umbrella was clever. Is cleverly written just to tell you everything you need to know about the character, isn't it? Yeah, that it, she can work that out. The doctor's, it was she's just, part of the doctor's plan. Yeah, it was just a, a test, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, that was great. That was great. Yeah, I thought she was a really, really. I, I was going to wonder whether how Moffat was going to write her because there were certain things in uh, Asylum of the Daleks. Well, I thought the characters were just a little bit too cocky. Yeah. A little bit too mouthy. And I thought, oh, here we go again. Another one of those characters that Moffat writes, that, you know, that speaks ten to the dozen, being cheeky and sassy. And, and I thought, well, does he know how to write any other character or female character than that? Yeah. And then and I must admit he surprised me with this because she, she wasn't anything like that. She was certainly intelligent. Yeah. But he didn't have all the I can put the mouthiness to go with it. No, it was a bit more. It was more restrained. Yeah, assured. Is yeah, the... yeah, and it worked better. Yeah, it worked a lot, lot better. I like the fact and... she had a double life as well. Was sort of like a um, like a, a Cockney Cockney sparrow barmaid. Yeah, and then she was like a posh governess. I mean, it's going to be interesting. Well, so... I mean, you are now 
intrigued to see how he's going to resolve this. Mm. And the fact that we're now going to be on our third time of meeting when he meets uh, for the start of the next part of Series 7. Yeah, that's right. It's going to be interesting how they're going to do it. So when some people have already... Um, I mean, I, I suge- not- Sorry, yeah, go on. I was going to say, some people always suggested um, that she's splintered through time like um, Scaroth. Yeah. From City of Death. I don't know if he would... Obviously, it's got to be something like that. I would have, I would have assumed, but yeah. there's something's actually going to happen in the in the a future episode that that might even happen. You know, the next time we see her, it might be that we go on from her story. Then she's splintered back in time. It could be because obviously, well, no, we've obviously seen her from the future, uh, now yeah. the past, and then I'm assuming the version of Clara we're going to see in the new series, she's going to be um, the present version. Yeah. Doesn't mean to say she's uh, a human, though, either, does it? No, no. So no. I think there's I a mean, lot of mystery there. Yeah, good. I think really we were just all pleased that it wasn't going to be a case of he goes back to a time that this wasn't set at a time before she's turned into a Dalek. I think that was the worry, wasn't it, from the side of the Daleks? Yeah, that we was going to get just a cop out of he may have, it may be all leading up to Asylum of the Daleks. But they pretty much said, no, this is going to be it's something a, totally different. Something to- yeah, and they were right. Yeah. They were absolutely right. So, did you notice on the, um, at the end with her on her gravestone that the uh, the date she was born on? No. November the 23rd. Oh, right. So, I wonder if it's all going to tie into the 50th somehow, or it's just a little nod. Well, I mean, there is talk, isn't it, that we're going to have to wait till the 50th to find out exactly to find out more about her, mm. as in what's happening with her. So should wait and see whether the rest of the Series 7 is just going to be a straightforward companion stuff. Mm. Are, we gonna get, are we going to get any, other, other than him meeting her again, obviously, are we then yeah. going to get any more of the arc to that, or are we just going to then sit and wait for some time in the future? Mm. Yeah, well, I, I, long, long as they, they, they keep the mystery this good. Yeah. Um, and let's hope... Moffat's got a, a, a proper resolution planned out in his mind. I should think he has. I mean, I, there, there's no points. You, you, you presume the resolution had to come first, and then... He's plotted around that. And then he's worked backwards. Yeah, it could be. Because why, why, try to, why paint yourself into such a tight corner if you, had, if you don't already know what you're going to do? Yeah. Yeah, let's hope he's picked up a few tips on how not to resolve a plot arc. Because in some... Doesn't it sound as if we're um, that the fault of using her in Asylum of the Daleks was almost a later decision than? Yeah, it was actually. You're right. It was almost like a last minute thing, wasn't it? So it sounds as if suddenly he had an idea of what he wanted to do, and then worked his way back. Yeah, yeah, he could have done. He could have done. Oh, I was also also pleased that she actually died. So you started to think, oh, are we now going to have this position where anyone can be resurrected? Yeah, I, I did for a moment think we were going to have like a magical ending. Yeah. Uh, and so we'd glad... already had it hinted at with Strax, hadn't we? Yeah. And I'm glad we didn't. No. I'm really glad we didn't. And are we going to find out about who resurrected Strax at some point? Yeah, that was interesting, wasn't it? Because he said it was um, a, another friend resurrected him. Yeah. Are we? Well, I'm, I'm thinking River, actually. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, so yeah, that's that. That's also something that's come out of this that you're not quite sure whether that's 
was that just a throwaway line to reintroduce him, or is there going to be some part of that that's going to be important in the future? It could be. It could be. Yeah, he doesn't tend to sort of... I mean, sometimes he does, he does sort of chuck those lines in just for the... Fun of it. The fun of it, yeah. Sort of plant those... Just to get people like us sitting here chatting. Exactly, yes, yes, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah. Or, or maybe there is, as you say, maybe there is more to it. Yeah. Because we know they are back in it again, aren't they? Yeah. The next series, because you've got that another Victorian set one, which I think has been... Is that the Mark Gatiss episode? Yeah, that's the one with Diana Rigg. Diana Rigg and Rachel Sterling. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm, interesting, interesting. Okay, well, that's all about the the companions for this uh, this one. What about the actual plot itself? The great intelligence. I must admit, I didn't see that coming. No, no. Which was a really nice way of introducing some, and to have kept it quiet as well. Yeah. Now, didn't they say in, in the sort of like the the press release that, that an old foe would return? Yeah. And, I'm so... and, and I doubt if anybody had that in the sweepstake. No. No, I must admit. Well, they might have said Yeti, but I don't think they'd have... Uh... Said the great intelligence. No. No, never. And let's be honest, the, the, it was the great intelligence behind the Yeti, so you yeah, couldn't really have yeah. one without the other, really, could you? Yeah. Or uh, so you thought. Yeah. So, no, so instead he swapped the Yeti for snowmen. But it's still that snowbound thing, though, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I, I... and it's just actually because, of course, this is obviously set earlier than either of those two. Yeah, the fact that you almost get the Doctor telling him well, to he use does, the underground. He does <laughs> tell it. He does yeah. tell him to use the underground. It's a, a, yeah. a weak point, you know. And yeah. I thought that was that was a fantastic little touch. His future yeah. self had set up a um, an invasion for his past self to deal with. Yeah, which was brilliant. No, knowing that his past self could deal with it. Yeah. Well, even then, he could. He didn't. He sort. He just seems to recall something about the great intent. He couldn't. Say, oh, I remember you, or anything like that. It was. Yeah. Well, I sort of remember that, yeah. that name, the great intelligence. But even then, it was it, even before that. She said the great intelligence. There was a uh, a very brief thing where uh, Doctor Simeon gave. Oh, I can't remember the character's name now. The uh, the head of that house, Latimer, Captain. Latimer. That Captain Latimer. That's it. Thank you. Um, he gave him his business card. Yeah. And you've got to be very, very quick to see written in, in on the small print the you know the great intelligence. Yeah. You just see this, the GI. The GI. Right? Yeah. So yeah, you've got to be very, very quick. But it was there. It was all there. Um there was one thing that um also sort of occurred to me. I don't know if you picked it up as well. The, at the end when it started raining and all the yeah. snowmen started to sort of melt. You're gonna say, was there is there a silver ball underneath the snow? I think there was a control sphere under there. I think yeah. that's what they were hinting at there. I think that was hinting at it. I'm not totally sure whether it isn't just meant to be ice. But I think I don't think it, I think it was done purposefully that if you know the story, yeah, you'll know what that is. You'll know what they what they're trying to say with that. Yeah. So I looked at it again having watched it once and thought it. I looked at it again and I'm not quite sure because I think actually a little bit of it might be slightly melted away so i think it is i'm not sure if they're they are saying it is that or if it's ice but the fact that it set itself up as to be a perfect place to put a a sphere yeah yeah i like to think it is the control sphere yeah it's it, oh, it, it, the whole, it, it the whole makes, package then doesn't it it makes perfect sense doesn't yeah, it yeah it does it really does i i to say i i thought it was a fantastic classic villain to bring back and probably yeah. one that not i mean Obviously, because those episodes sort of don't exist as such, 
Um, it's one that probably a lot of people aren't familiar with, and it was just a good sort of um, is one for the for the hardcore. Yeah, but 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 not actually having to shout it out. No, no, exactly. If you know it, you know it, sort of thing. Yeah. If you think back to um, say something like Gridlock, which brought back the macra. Yeah. Um, actually, again, there wasn't a lot of explanation as to what they were. No, it, that, that was just basically. That was quite. If you know. Yeah, going back using another Troughton era. Yeah. Vi- villain or monster as, that as doesn't an example. Doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah. I mean, that was a great way to 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 introduce them as well to a new audience. Yeah. And just a little little nod. That was it. It didn't say, oh, I thought this before on blah, blah, blah. It was just... Yeah, yeah. No, no explanation as to as to why, who they are and what their significance is to their history. No. Just, if you know, you know. If you don't, you don't care, probably. Yeah, exactly. It's just, oh, look, a giant crab, or it's a snowman. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Or it's a disembodied voice of Ian McKellen. So. Yeah. <laughs> actually, I thought he was quite good as well. Yeah. That, I mean, he could have... Um, actually... I mean, the whole point of this, was there a poor performance in this? I don't know. No, no. The, the one person I thought who could have gone a little bit pantomime and didn't was Richard E. Grant. Yeah. Now, as much, I mean, as I, it, much as I like Richard E. Grant, he can be a little bit... Over as, the top. Over the top, yeah. Yeah. And he wasn't. He was really restrained in this. Yeah. And just with the right hint of menace. Yeah. I mean, and, the, and the fact... I mean, you have to say, actually, if you're going to... You could, by casting him, you could then underplay it, yeah. Because because you can't, you know, he does have that to his nature. Mm. Yeah, I, I just thought he was absolutely fantastic, and so same with Ian McKellen. I mean, you know, he is a fantastic actor, and but again, just doing a disembodied voice does tend to make actors go a little bit OTT because you're producing a recording booth. You're not really got anything to react against. There's no actors to. Yeah. Such to maybe that I mean I don't know how they recorded these lines, so you know, but um Let's go booming and over the top. Yeah, yeah. and he is, didn't is, is, no. he didn't, he was just very, very quiet and I it worked so much better for it. It's more menacing when you keep it quiet. Yeah. I mean that that was the thing, wasn't it? It was all the what's in what's in the shadows, what's happening, wasn't it? Rather than yeah. all, here it all comes and I mean having spoken about um the next doctor and how that just all spiralled out of control. This one really just kept on at the pace, didn't it? Yeah, there was no um, massive battle at the end. There, no. was like, there was no big set piece. No. Which made a nice change for a Christmas special. The ending actually sort of came down rather than try to go up, didn't it? Mm, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it ended with the death of um, of Clara, for God's sake. So yeah. <laughs> you couldn't go down any further than that, really, no. could you? But, and uh, it was it was all it was all done in talk rather than action, wasn't it? Yeah, the whole of this episode. I mean, there isn't yeah. actually a lot of action. No, I'm not. I'm not going to say that's anything to do with budget either. I just think that was just the way it was written. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, it, it, it was written. You had several great characters. Hmm. So why not use them? use them? Yeah, yeah, absolutely brilliant. I just I just cannot really cannot fault it at all. Yeah, I it was just the case you didn't need a gimmick. No. Because it all worked, yeah. Without absolutely it. everything. Now, one one thing we haven't was well, a couple of things we haven't uh, spoken about yet. The new theme tune. For, so let's start off with that. The new theme tune. Yeah, slightly. Well, we were saying about where they're going to go with this, mm. and backwards is the way, isn't it? I think. Yes. Well, is this sort of 
six of one and half a dozen of the other. Really. It's, it, there's, yeah, there's, there's bits in it that are definitely going back to almost the beginning, isn't there? Yeah, with, with the, the, the main... Um, oh, please f- forgive anyone who, who's, you know, got any musical talent whatsoever and understands music. Um, oh, I don't, so I, I could be talking absolute cobblers here. But it's, it's the, main, the main beat, like the bass line. Yeah. They've, as you say, they've gone backwards with that. It's more prominent than it, it has been in a long, long time. Yeah, it really is. Um, yeah, I like it. I do. So, I, I couldn't understand why they didn't use it in the closing credits. No, that's the only thing I thought was a bit peculiar. But maybe they haven't done the shortened version of it yet. Maybe to play the credits out. I don't know. They just thought it was a bit bit. Just peculiar. they thought too much change was. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean. Obviously, if you talk about the the, uh, the the opening theme tune, the opening credits, yeah. Um, at last, we got the Doctor's face back in the opening credits again. Yeah, I mean, we've been crying out for that since the show came back in two thousand and five, and finally we've got it. And we didn't have to wait for its fiftieth anniversary to get it either. No. So I'm not, you do you do now really get a feeling that this is building to something, don't you? Y- yes, yes. I I really do hope so. I really, From now on, it's yeah. it's. I hope this is building to something really, really good. Yeah, it's what's the, actually what's interesting. The um, when Stephen Moffat took over the show, the sort of the colour again. Say I'm, I know nothing of how these things work, so it's just my own interpretation of things. Um, but the colour palette when Stephen Moffat took over, everything went very, very blue. Yeah, like the opening credits were blue. The lighting was more blue. Never than it was before, because RT- and it seems to have gone back to RTD, even with the, um, especially with the with the opening titles now. You've gone back to the more the reds and oranges and golds and that sort of more sort of warmer look. Yeah, and the bit at the end, um, just before, I mean, the, before the TARDIS comes into view, and in, in the you've gone almost gone back to the original tunnel from Baker's era. Yeah, almost. There, there was just there was just bits like oh we can really this is it this is the whole universe this is the Doctor's world yeah and then back to that the tunnel the familiar yeah to you wasn't it it was you know as if we're like and now we're pulling it all in to the Doctor actually one thing just occurred to me um, a little bit when the the titles kick off and you've got and you eventually see Matt Smith's face in there yeah do you reckon they were harking back to the Starfield? Credits from Baker's last season, right up until it finished, basically, because it was almost sort of like galaxies and nebulas, wasn't it? Yeah. And then it finished on like the the classic time vortex, or you know, almost the classic time vortex. Yeah. So it's beginning the one the, the cherry update, picking how you do how you how you do this properly. Wasn't yeah. It? It, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because I must. I mean, the idea for it sort of worked, but you just didn't have the technology in them days. Yeah, oh, indeed. I, I don't care if everyone says, oh, you know, the, uh, the the graphics from McCoy's opening titles hold up. Oh, sorry, they don't. They didn't look good at the time, and they still don't look any better now. So I, I, I hated that spinning galaxy thing. Yeah. I never did like that. I thought it looked awful then. So, um, yeah, but this, I, I just, it just suddenly occurred to me, were they trying to meld, update both of the classic... Um, yeah, opening titles and merge them into one. Yeah, just pulling it all and together. Give, so yeah, and give it a fresh spin. Yeah, yeah, 
yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I liked it. I liked it. Um, and then the other thing, of course, the new TARDIS. Yeah, which now, is now I'd, interesting. I, yeah, now I'd, I'd like to start with the outside. They've gone back to the battered look again, haven't they? Well, I suppose that can follow on from Angel State Manhattan, doesn't it? Where it gets yeah. battered by the yeah. No, just like the fact they've kept it. Yeah, they haven't made it all shiny again. No, just kept it. Whatever's happened inside, the outside has yeah, has remained. Yeah, definitely. And the inside. What do you think? Now you've seen it in in the, the cold light of day, as it were. Cold is probably the word, isn't it? Yeah, it's gone from the warm and you know fantasy. It has really gone to this is stripped back. This is a functioning place. Hmm. Yeah, it's somewhere it's, you work rather than you live. Yeah, it's um again, it's almost gone because the as we know the original TARDIS set, that that very stark white set. Yeah, again, cold. Yeah, there's nothing about that place that's warm, did it? <laughs> no, it's, it, it, you, you you would think when you watched it, you'd think to yourself, but how would you go mad if you was living in that? Yeah, room? no. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it just yeah. is back to this is the console room. This isn't the the place where you. The happy, Hang out. Ha- happy magical Disneyland. Yeah, that it sort of became. Yeah, um, there are there are other rooms that are probably more comfortable somewhere along the line, but in yeah. the TARDIS. But this is this is the this is the workstation. Yeah, there. This this I I thought it was great. I thought it was yeah. great. Even down to the how can I put it the, the top of the the time rotor. Yeah, it's spinning and it's almost like a like a a merry-go-round. Yeah, and they sort of. I suppose you could say, well, they wanted to make it a bit more functional rather than magical. But if you've got a, the top of the rope that looks like a merry-go-round, you're still keeping that magical element to it somewhat. Is it, what, what it is, what it, what it reminded me of, is basically the old sort of time machine film where things spin and <laughs> yes. everything whirls and <laughs> yeah. whatever. That's, yeah. what that, that, that's what that said to me. Yeah. Was this is really going back to... Not not, to, two, uh, not two sets of bicycle pedals. This is almost going back to a Victorian. Yeah, well, yes. <laughs> well, you don't see what his feet are doing while spinning. you're watching that. Yeah, that was. I I thought it was great. I thought it was great. I, I'm. We know there's going to be an episode next year. It's going to show us a lot more of the TARDIS. Yeah. So let's hope they can keep it looking as good as that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's certainly not disappointing. No, no, um, and I. I actually think this is... I don't know about you, Paul. This has actually become, so far, sort of a pretty redundant statement, really, but so far this is my favourite uh, Christmas special. Um, no, I, I think story-wise, I still think I like Christmas Carol, just because it was a clever reworking of that story. Yeah. No, I just like this one because of what it's done. Yeah. I mean, for what, they, for what they've managed to achieve in such a short time mm. is... is Fantastic to have actually put all that in. Oh God, yeah, and yeah. not left you sitting there saying, "I mean, what we saw, I mean, we had this conversation recently, didn't we, when we reviewed um, the Smith and Jones, the first Martha one, mm. and we said, well, yeah, you had new companions, so you can't really expect much. They've just got to bring that. They've got to introduce that, and that's all you're really going to get. The story is going to be secondary. Yeah, uh, this showed that you don't have to do it that way." <laughs> No, you certainly don't, do you? You certainly do not. I, I, I thought it was a really, really bold thing to do. 
Yeah, was to really. And he could have played. They could have played safe with the Christmas one. They could have and left. They didn't. They almost kickstarted the series again. Yeah. Well, I say nearly. They have. They have kickstarted it. Yeah. I mean, talking about the Christmas episode can be a showcase. Well, you know, if this the idea was this is going to grab new viewers and going to drag a lot of people along with it from now on. Mm. If it hasn't succeeded, I'll be surprised. Yeah. Same here. Same here. I I think if. I don't know. I, I I don't think there's any doubt. Actually, I think this this is job done. Actually, yeah, I really do. Job done for people that are starting to doubt Moffat. Hopefully, which I must admit, I was one of them. Yeah, I, I was. I mean, I was less than impressed with series six. I thought series seven, part one, was middling at best, and this has just kicks all those doubts away. Really has. Hopefully, it's just. Giving him something a completely new impetus, new I, companion. Yeah, yeah. I think he was too bogged down with the whole Amy Pond River song, yeah, thing. And he'd yeah he'd written a he'd written yeah, a, it, it, a, a story for that, and that had ended, and now he wasn't quite sure what to do with them. Yeah, he just he just dragged it on far too long. The whole yeah. River Song thing. I thought, I thought, please get it over and done with. Yeah, you know, I what, what I think for me, what started out was a great character. Just descended to something quite annoying. I actually dreaded the episodes that the character popped up in. Yeah, uh, I know plenty of fans disagree with me. There's plenty of fans that they love River Song. Um, I do when she's used well. I mean, I, did, I didn't you know. mind it. I just, I just think he, he probably had come to a natural end with yeah. that. If you're going to do story arcs, well, with I, I think I think it comes to a natural end for a lot of people, but it hadn't for him, and I think that was the yeah. problem. Yeah, but if you're going to do story arcs with people, then. At the end of the arc, you've got a problem with where do you go? Yeah, because that character, the whole of that character, has been built into this. Mm. And once that's finished, is there a life for the character afterwards? Mm. Yeah, and I think, yeah, as you say, you got too wrapped up into that. Now this has given him a completely clean page again. Yeah. Okay. I know there was. I was sort of wincing a little bit during this with the, the overuse of the the Doctor Who. Yeah. Line again, but. In a strange way, it, it it was this actually formed part of the episode. It, it was the it was the two words, wasn't it? Yeah. They kept saying, well, as she said, as she said those two the two words to you yet. Yeah. And that was sort of like, well, if you ask who he is, that that's sort of like that's that's your how can I put that's your ticket, really, isn't it? Yeah. That sort of piques the doctor's interest. If you're interested to know more about him. Yeah. Then you then you've you, you're, you're going to fit in with his uh, with his sort of uh, I don't know his inquisitive nature. Yeah, yeah. I mean I don't, I don't mind it if it's used in in context. Yeah, a lot of the time That's it is. It's used as a cheap gag a lot of the time. Yeah, yeah. I mean we all know that effectively we all presume we're all led to believe that that's also building to something. Yeah, that we're going to find out at some point in the future. Yeah, but yeah, as long as it's just used. In context, as a reminder that there is that story still to come, yeah. and that's fine. Yeah, that's it. That's it. So um, now, finally, one thing we haven't, or person we haven't spoken about yet, Matt Smith. Yeah. Uh, I brilliant as always. I mean, the opening, his opening scene where he just walks past. Yeah. Her and the snowman, and then walks back, uh, and then walks off again, and that is just so. Underplayed and so to the takes it takes you exactly to where that character is. Mm. 
without actually having to spell it out. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, there was no. Um, I just forget the one day. It, I actually know. We know what it's been like when a, a, a companion has left, like say, like the tenth Doctor. Uh, he's there's a lot of moping around, isn't there? Yeah. And uh, it's sort of like, especially with something like the Runaway Bride, he wouldn't even sort of mention Rose's name more or less right until the end, would he? No. Um, it was, it was just too, I don't know, too maudlin. Yeah. And you and they just ladled it on, but that was that was RTD shtick, wasn't it? Yeah. You I know. Like to go for the emotional punch all the time. But Moffat, like, there, there was like, there was look at me, I'm hurting, wasn't there? Yeah, yeah. Whereas um, this was just basically, yeah, okay, fine. Yeah, bugger this off, is, leave me alone. Yeah, yeah every, this, so, so life's going on around me, I'm not really that interested. Yeah, that's it. Is that that line he says, you know, about you sort of like, you know, saving the universe, and he just said the universe doesn't care. Yeah. You know, it's just sort of, well, as you said, just get on with it. Yeah. And I like that, I did like that aspect of the Doctor. That's almost sort of that um, that selfish side. Yeah. Very Colin then, Baker, actually. Yeah. And then you just get slow. It happens slowly. There's no rush to it. But then you almost get the from the moment he, she said pond, suddenly, and he was wearing her glasses as well. Yeah, you get the the doctor switched back on almost. Yeah, he he was just absolutely fantastic. I even like I mean, even the sign with the the thing, just the the, the, the him coming round with the bow tie, realizing that he's just put the bow tie on absentmindedly. Yeah, first, of which you presume for the first time in a while. And she says it's cooler, and you sort of almost see him coming to life again there. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that was again that was nicely underplayed as well. Yeah, wasn't big and shouty, and no, that's it. Uh, it didn't need to be. That's what we said earlier. No. It didn't need to be big and shouty. If the story's that good, no. you don't need to. Yeah, ram it down people's throats. You know, people yeah. can figure it out for themselves. Yeah, you know, especially where sort of like where, where sort of emotionally characters are. You don't have to sort of like say, "Well, I'm upset, so I'm going to show a scene where the doctor's crying." Yeah, you know and things like that. It's just well, no, it's just it's all there in the dialogue. It's there. It's there with the sort of the look on his face. It just acted uh, basically. And, and, yeah, <laughs> and, with, and with Matt Smith, he can just do it with a look, can't he? Yeah, that's it. you don't even have to give him a line, do you? After no, you don't. When 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 she says it's cooler, he, he, he doesn't need anything from then on, does he? You Not can just really, see. Just see oh yeah, he's quite. I, cool, I remember actually. this. Yeah. I remember this. This this used to be me. Yeah, well, do you know? No, I thought that was great. That was great. What did you think? Actually, the other thing we haven't mentioned. What did you think about the Sherlock Holmes stuff? Was it my imagination, or when Matt Smith came in dressed as, as Sherlock Holmes, that you got a little brief snippet of Sherlock theme tune there? Um, oh, I don't know now. I'm not sure. It, it, I'll have to was, watch it again. Yeah, it was. Yeah, like any excuse, any excuse. Yeah, like we need one. No, it is something. It it's very very familiar. Yeah. It was it just riffing on on the Sherlock theme, but when he came in as as that, I just thought, yeah, that's oh, that's a nice little. Is is that the the crossover the fans have been? Yeah, you feel, you feel, for, you you know. feel it's like almost it's Moffat saying, okay, you wanted to see, you want it, you got the it. Doc, the yeah. Doctor and Sherlock. Here we go. Here this, we go. Yeah, here's a little bit of it. And also, this was the the obvious. The setup for this was obvious, wasn't it? Because you've already had the scene where he's saying to Madame Vastri. That Conan Doyle was basing his character on you, yeah. So that you sort of get the oh, this is a, certainly a Sherlock Holmes. You've got a Sherlock Holmes situation going on. So why not introduce the Doctor as Sherlock? Yeah, and Which then I... have it, and then have it poo pooed by 
Yeah, his pass, yeah, his pass deduction were pretty awful, actually, weren't yeah. they? So. Yeah. Yeah. You've, got, you've got a wife and a part of a tree. You've got part of a wife. Yeah. <laughs> or do you have a goldfish called Colin? Yeah. No, I thought not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was brilliant. Yeah, the, yeah, he's dressed as it, but actually Vastra is the, She's the, the detective. Yeah, yeah. exactly, yeah. <laughs> well, now obviously this is New Who, isn't it? It's yes. a new episode. So therefore, it's the return of our rating system. Oh, is this backed by popular it's demand? backed by, uh, well, not by <laughs> yeah. no demand at all, actually, but just for the... Just by for the final sh- demand. Yes. <laughs> just for the hell of it. Um, now, for those of you who can't remember... If we, um, if we, think, I'm gonna, I'll have to play in all the sound effects again just so people know. Um, no, I was going to say no, no, no. Surely our rating systems like the Great Intelligence. You might have a note from the past, <laughs> don't. We're not going to explain it. All right, yes, yeah, sod it. Right, okay. Um, it, it goes in order of preference. It gets a, an excellent uh, off, off of uh, Cyber Leader. Um, it gets a Nida, which your views are not important. Or it gets a, a Sontaran, a Field Marshal Steyer. Uh, and I can't remember what the hell he says because <laughs> because we've never had to use it yet. So, <laughs> so um, your rating, Paul. Yeah, well, you have to go with the first one there, don't you? It has to be Cyber Leader. Excellent. Okay, and yes, it most certainly gets a Cyber Leader from me also. Excellent. Well, there we go. I'm, I'm glad we've ended the year on a, on a really, really positive note there. Yeah, and more so that we're now coming into the 50th year and I absolutely can't wait. No, me neither. Me neither. So, there we go. There we go. Not that I'm going to do anything to Stephen Moffat to force him to show me the episode. <laughs> I hasten to add before before he rings the stalker police. I was going to say, you can let him go now. <laughs> <laughs> He's... He's been shackled to your radiator long enough, actually. <laughs> I've broken both his legs. <laughs> Stop him running away. Oh, dear. Well, um, yes, th- this is the, the final podcast for 2012. Yes. Yes. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New yes. Year. Let's uh, hope the New Year is better than previous years, no matter how good they've been for you or bad. Indeed. Indeed. Let's hope it's an absolutely fantastic year for everybody. And let's all hope it's a fantastic year for Doctor Who as well. Yes. It ought to be. That's all I can say. It ought to yeah. be. So, uh, we'll be back in the new year. There'll be nothing different to next year. It'll be the same <laughs> old crap we usually dish out. <laughs> I was going to say, unfortunately, that wish for a better new year doesn't extend to our podcast. No. <laughs> no, we'll, um, we'll just we'll, we'll dish out the same old rubbish of... Uh, Audio commentaries. I think we, we were trying to get one out for the beginning of the year, weren't we? Yes. Uh, but unfortunately, That's... our schedules have conspired against us. Yes. So we'll, we'll do one of them fairly soon. Yeah. Fairly soon. So I think what we'll um, what we'll probably kick off the new year with is a return to our Series 3 retrospective. Yes. Just, just to get you over the hangover. Yeah, indeed. So, <laughs> so yeah... Um, so we're up to the Shakespeare Code, aren't we? Yes. Yes. Okay, so yeah, we'll, we'll return with the Shakespeare Code in the new year. So, Happy New Year, everybody. And it's goodbye from me, Phil. And goodbye from me, Paul. Goodbye.
You were listening to the Who's He podcast. Please visit our website at whos-he.co.uk or follow us on Twitter at whos underscore he underscore podcast. <laughs>